Is it true today? 
verses 5 to 7 says this. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent.
Father, I just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to gather in your house, O oh Lord, and to have another day, another Sunday, to be able to take this breath of this new day and to be able to worship you. But we offer up to you the first fruits of our lives, and we choose today not sacrifice but obedience, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you transform our hearts and our lives. that you would teach us a valuable lesson, wisdom, and knowledge that comes from your word so that we may truly be transformed inside out. As we learn today about what it means to live a life of action, may we truly humble ourselves and give ourselves to you and also realize and know the truth that, Lord, you are the God of action, that you came and you humbled yourself on this earth 
the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you humbled yourself and you died on the cross for us. And you resurrected from the dead. So God, with that, we celebrate and remember you. Remember your birth in the season of Advent. And I pray you transform our hearts so that we may draw closer to the heart of God. So that we may have the heart of God. So that you may be transformed inside out each and every single day, little by little. Lord, more of you and less of us, O oh God. We need you here today. We are desperate for your word. Speak to us, Lord, for we are hungry and we're desperate for you. And now, guys, you transition to the message. May the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all the hearts for those who are listening here today. Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, in your sight, O oh God. May we have clean hands. And a pure heart before you, O oh Lord. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. All right, God bless you. Uh, let's all take our seat and let's take a moment to greet our fellow neighbors before we begin our service today, this morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. amen. Let's turn to our neighbor once again and say, It's nice to see you here. Today. Today is all about action, 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 action. Our title of today's message is Real Faith Part 10. We're on Part 10 now, and actions, anyone, actions. If you cannot live a life of godly deeds, then we need to see and reevaluate our lives whether we are truly in the faith and in the Lord. Amen. And with that, let's go to James chapter 2. We're going to begin at verse 14 to 26. And the heading, it says, faith and deeds. Deeds meaning action. Okay, it says in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. Can we turn to our neighbor and say together? And his faith was made complete. Can we turn to our neighbor and say complete? complete? Complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. This is taken from Romans 4. So later we're going to see the contrast between James and Paul. Which side are we on? Paul says it is by faith alone. James here is saying you need deeds and faith. If you have no deeds, your faith is dead. 
and he was called God's friend, you see, verse 24, that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Verse 25, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. If you don't know who Rahab is, Rahab was the individual who helped the spies. Remember Joshua and Caleb? They were When they were in the desert for 40 years, and in the first generation, before they were casted out and they died, people were afraid to enter the promised land, and Rahab was a spy that allowed Joshua and the people to come in and protected them. Therefore, she is mentioned as one of the heroes of the faith in the book of Hebrews. So, And it says in verse 26, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Amen and amen. Let's begin with our first point. Point number one. Our points here today is going to be pretty long. Uh, so I'm just giving you a heads up. It says this, point one is, if you are not changing, you do not truly believe what you claim to believe. I said again, if you are not changing, you do not truly believe what you claim to believe. In other words, is your life, is your action, is it in sync with the faith that you have in Jesus Christ? Is your faith being shown outwardly? Is it? If not, we need to reevaluate our faith. So point letter A, if you walk away from your faith, you never had true faith. That's a fact. It is not negotiable. That's the truth. If you walk away from your faith, you never had true faith. Letter B, if you fail to remain in your faith, you never had true faith. You never had it. You need to remain in your faith until when? Forever. From here on in this finite life to the infinite life, the eternity we have with God, it will remain forever in Christ. Let us see. If you sell out to the compromises of this world, you never had true faith. So daily in your life, if you're compromising to the desires of this world, to the pursuit of this world, to the things of this world, the things that this world can offer unto you, popularity, fame, money, all the good things that comes from this world, and we sell our soul to this world, we never had true faith. I'd rather have you be out on the street, fully out against the Lord, than for you to be in the church, compromised, lukewarm, and compromised with the world at the same time, you never had true faith. Letter D, if your actions do not match your faith, according to James 2, what we just read, if your actions do not match your faith, your faith is not genuine. It is fake. You're a pretender. We're faking it. We're faking it until we make it. Eventually, that coding of that fake goal that we have on the outward, 
it will peel off and it will peel away. And ultimately, it will be revealed for what it is. If your actions do not match your faith, your faith is not genuine. Letter E, and last sub point here. If the faith you claim to have is not supported by your godly actions, I'm gonna say that again. I'm not saying God, I'm not saying good actions, I'm talking about godly actions. If the faith you claim to have is not supported by your godly actions, later we're gonna talk about Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, godly actions. Your faith is good as dead. Is dead. Your faith is dead. And James here cannot be more clear. He cannot be more clear in what he's trying to teach us, where he says, faith without deeds is dead. We need to understand this. We have to get get to this point in our lives as a Christian, we have to have a fine balance between actions and our faith. James is making it very clear where he says here, I'm going to read it again. Again, a lot of scriptures, long points here today, so please follow along. Again, I'm going to read. I can't just take one section here of this part because they all work together from verse 14 to 26 where he says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was filled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous, and he was called God's friend. You see, that person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, it was not even Rahab the process to consider righteous for what she did when she gave the lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This, my friends, is Christianity 101. If we do not carry this mindset, if we do not have this mentality, if we do not have this truth in our lives, if we do not quickly learn this truth that faith without deeds is dead or deeds without faith is dead, vice versa, if we do not adopt this thinking and make this true in our lives, we will not last long in the kingdom of God. And then we'll have someone who will come in and they will argue by using Romans 4, as I mentioned earlier. They'll be on Paul's side. Well, Paul says in Romans 4, it is by faith alone. What about when Paul said it's by faith alone? Are they divided? Is God divided? Is the scripture divided? No. Instead, they cannot be more united on this topic. Because you see with Christ, if you truly read the gospel, if you really read the Bible, there is a flip of a coin in everything that God does. 
When he created the world, he created good and evil. When he created mankind, humankind, man and woman, he made sure that he created them, but he also gave them free will to choose him or to reject him. And he's teaching us the basic principle of the heart of God. Even Christ in Luke 12, a lot of people forget this passage. Do you forget? It's not on the screen, but did you forget when Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 49 to 53, where Jesus says, I come to bring what? Fire to this earth. And how I wish it were already kindled. He says, do you think I came to bring peace? No, not peace, not peace on earth. So stop talking about peace on earth. He says, no, I tell you, but I came to this world to bring division. That's what he said in Luke 12. When you read that, oh, that sounds very harsh. Where is this coming from? I thought Jesus was all loving, all patient. Yes, he is. He is God of all love, but he is also a God of wrath. In other words, you cannot have love without wrath. You cannot have wrath without love. Just like you cannot have love without discipline, there is discipline in love. But he says he came to bring division. There will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three, they'll be divided. He says, I have come to bring division, but ultimately peace, so that you will not die in this life purposeless, but your sins will be forgiven, and you will be a new creation found in me, in Christ, in Christ alone. So again, point number one, if you are not changing, you do not truly believe what you claim to believe. Going back to Romans 4, I just briefly mentioned, but let's just quickly read it. I'll read it fast because it's pretty long, but please follow along. It says, the heading says, Abraham justified by faith. This is what Paul says. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discover in this matter. If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this, the, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is a father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was 
circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of this world, of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 14, for if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace, may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not against the hope Abraham and hope believed. And so became, can we turn to everyone and say became? became? Became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins, was raised to life for our justification. And the best way to tackle this is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. It's where Paul, same author, different book, Romans, but Paul also wrote Ephesians, and he said what? He said, it is by grace, and it's a gift of God. It is a free gift, but what does he say in verse 10? For you have been created for God's workmanship to do good work. So it comes together. A lot of people love to just focus on one side and one side, one extreme end. Faith alone, work alone. It doesn't work. You're just paddling with one on a boat. You're just going in circles. You will never get to your destination. That's all you're doing. Circle, circle, circle. But we need both for us to propel us to the destination, to the maturity, spiritual maturity, to where God wants you to be. Like I said, the kingdom of God is like a coin. The wrath of God is the love of God. The love of God is the wrath of God. We're disappointed with people because we love them. If we didn't love them, there will be no disappointment. The disappointment is great because of our love for them, because our love for them is great. Therefore, when there's love, there's jealousy. That's what Jesus said. That's what God says in Exodus 25. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, what? Am a jealous God. In other words, James and Paul are in harmony with each other through the teaching of Christ. They're in harmony. They're not divided. They're not contradicting each other. 
they're in harmony on this topic. That true faith, real faith, a real Christian will always result in a transformed life filled with what? Good deeds. So faith without action is dead. Actions without faith is dead. But faith plus action is alive. It is good. You are in a good place. Now again, I've been talking to you during this season about how special it is for someone to have a willing heart. This is not something that you can, you can teach someone, but they need to have, if they have the Holy Spirit in them, they will easily adopt this teaching. They will learn it quickly because it will click in their head and in their heart and in their spirit and their soul because this is the right teaching and it will propel them, propel them in the right direction. But if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, they will hear this and they will try to make it happen. They will force it to happen. Okay, so I need balance of faith and action. So I'm going to really try really, really hard. I'm going to try my best to follow in this first step. It doesn't work like that. It has to be from the purpose, from the compelling of the Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that will lead you to transform, lead you to change. And then we will have faith and action. And we live every day as a gift from God, that this is a gift and this is a priceless gift, a willing heart, a heart filled with action. And you live that way in every context, in every situation, in every scenario. Amen and amen. And are you living your life in that manner? Have you been living your life last week, the week before, this way, with action? You know, small thing that I want to share. I mean, this isn't something that I had in my notes or just came to me. And one thing I was just trying to think while I was giving this point, you know, was there something that I did physically with action Yes, I mean, before judo, there's this thing where I go to a nearby, uh, it's like a pizza place, but they sell coffee. <laughs> and then, um, so I went in, and I didn't eat anything the whole day, so I just wanted to just put some coffee in me. Uh, I asked for a little bit of milk, and all of a sudden, right next to me is this old man with a mask, and... He is a little aggressive, and the guy is young, guy working on the counter. He's like, he's trying to be nice, but he's like, wait, what? He's just like, he literally said, wait, what? And then he's trying to be nice, he's like, wait, what? And the guy's like, huh, uh, and then saying something. And I wasn't sure what he was saying either. And I looked at a piece of paper, a napkin he had, and it, it had a chicken wing. And it ran on the bottom with English just to help him translate. And I said, oh, do you need help in Korean? And I said, uh, can I help you? Can I? And I was translating, and I read the thing for them. And, and then he was just trying to ask after you order, like, what do I do? Do I sit? Do I wait outside? And I said, oh, you just sit down. And I asked, oh, do you need a drink? Because I noticed that he didn't order a drink. 
And they said, oh, he's, he's actually, well, before that he was sharing that he is, he's just been here less than a month. And that uh, he walked over here. And, you know, it just kind of brought back memory of when I was young, when I had to walk and look for a supermarket, how difficult that was. And, um, and he said that his granddaughter wanted some chicken wings, so he came and he found the spot. And, and he came in and, and he was trying to order. And I said, oh, do you need a drink? And then uh, got the drink. I just paid for it. And I just gave it to him. And he was so grateful he didn't know what to do. Um, he gave me his phone number, though, to Korea. He said, are you going to go to Korea anytime soon? Here's my name, you know, Che something, and then um, Che something. I have it in my note, but he was just very grateful, very grateful. Now, did I do that for anything, for any reason alone? Is it trying? Am I trying? Why? If anything, it's better to not get involved. But sometimes God puts us in a position where he gives us an opportunity for us to put our faith into action. And those are the moments where we put them into action. We could come to church, we could talk about faith, we could talk about all the good things and trying to do the good things, come to church and pray and fast and all the things, worship, all that is good. But if it is not put into action, it is not completed. And this applies everywhere in our life. Wherever we are, whatever we do, we allow the Spirit of God to work. Amen and amen. But you don't force it. You don't go and you try to make it happen. It doesn't work like that. Or else they'll run away. Remember the homeless outreach that we did? They just run away. But you need to allow the Spirit of God to put us in a position to minister to them and to speak with them, and to help them physically. Amen and amen. amen. If you are not changing, you do not truly believe what you claim to believe. Point two, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I am not, because you cannot earn anything. As Christians, I mean, this is the beauty of it all, and I think this is what's amazing where God had already set this principle that we cannot earn anything. And I think that's good. Because if I can earn something, then I'm going to really do my best to earn it and to make it happen in my own strength. But thanks be to God that I cannot earn anything as a Christian. Rather, it is freely given to me. It is freely given to you. It is bestowed upon you as a free gift. Thanks be to God that it has been given unto us. And that is what makes it priceless. And that is what propels our hearts, that moves our hearts to do the right things for the Lord. This is what leads us to love Him and to follow Him. Why? Because, because He first loved us. That's why we love Him. It's not because I love them first and then we have to earn his love and then try to make it happen and then maybe it will happen. Am I really going to be entering heaven? Other religion, you never fully know. As a Muslim, you never know. Am I really going to enter heaven? It's all about works. It's how well you follow the words that is found in Quran. But as Christians, we know that we have already earned it. It has come already. Letter A, when you believe, you have already earned. You have earned it already. 
There's nothing more you can do. There's nothing less you can do to have it taken away. You have already earned salvation when you believed. Letter B, when you surrender, you have already received. You have received it already. So stop living your life trying to receive it. Why would you try to receive it when you already have it? Let us see. When you said yes, you enter. What do I mean you enter? You enter his holy place, the holy of holies. You are not worthy before. And we will never be worthy. But because of the cross, we are worthy. And that's why we enter. Every day we're able to see his face. When Moses asked and requested to see God face to face, to get a catch, to catch a glimpse of his face, of his glory, God, he covered his face and saw just the edge of his cloak. And then Moses' face was radiant. He was glowing like a flashlight. People were like, whoa, what happened? Why are you glowing so much? Because God said, if you have seen my full glory, you will be dead. Thanks be to God, because of Jesus Christ. When we enter, we are no longer dead, but we are saved. And because we are saved, we are able to enter this holy place. When back in the day, they were able to do it only once a year. By the high priest. Praise God. And letter D, for this reason, because I am saved, I become and I do. Because I am saved, I become and I do. Amen and amen. amen. Santa says, earn it. Be a good boy. You're a naughty boy. Get out of here. You get no presents. Jesus says to receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. It is a free gift on to you. Matthew 7, 15 to 20, where the heading says, True and false prophets. Right, it says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize that. Do people, do people pick grace from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. It says, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. It says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. In other words, everything that we utter and we say and we do with action are from the fruit of our hearts. We do because it is within us. Robbers rob because their hearts are prone to evil. False teachers teach wrong teachings 
because their hearts are prone to evil. Just as bad hearts can lead to heart attacks and strokes, it's the same thing. A sedentary lifestyle leads a person to a weak body. We reap what we sow and it's a cycle, and we sow what we reap. It's an unending cycle, and people who are of an evil heart will continue to produce sin. They'll continue to produce evil. It's like they go back, and they first time they vomit, and they eat it, it's okay, right? It's, it's, I mean, it's not okay, but it's better, right? At least it's still a little fresh. You see chunks of broccoli and chicken. Okay, it's not bad. You eat it the first time, and then you eat it, and then you vomit again, and imagine eating that again. Every time, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where sin is death. People who are of an evil heart will continue to produce sin will continue to stray away, stray away from the path of righteousness. You know, man first wilderness, uh, man first the survival show, I forget the guy's name, but he said, if you really need to, you could drink your urine once and that you won't be as sick if there's nothing to drink. But to drink it again and again, your body will reject it. And you will get sicker and sicker. In other words, you reap what you sow in your life. So we need to understand that everything that we have earned is from grace and grace alone. You cannot earn anything. And we need to understand this. And when we sow the good things of God, we continue to live a life that honors God. We will continue to produce good fruit. And you'll recognize the fruit by the root and the tree. Matthew 12, 32-37, similar passage, but Jesus, he says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. It's talking about those who continue to reject God over and over again, like Judas and Pharaoh, a point of no return. Their heart has become hardened. Verse 13, you make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's what we talked about. Not just what you speak, but your action. A good man brings good things out of the good store up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil store up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. For every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. Amen. And amen. And I have a few more scriptures here in this point. First John 1, 5 to 10. It says, light and darkness, sin and forget. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in dark, the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Second Corinthians 5, 16-17. So from now regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Galatians 5, 20-26. But the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become considered provoking and envying each other. So we understand that as a Christian, we reap the good things because we sow the good things and it's a healthy cycle. We eat healthy food, healthy word. We drink fresh water and therefore we are nourished and our life is restored. And you cannot earn any of this. It has already been given unto you. Amen and amen. And it's from that foundation, point D, Right, so point letter D, I become and I do. Right, you become what you eat and who you spend yourself with, your time with. But if you continue to eat the things of this world, you'll vomit the things of this world. You'll continue to eat your vomit until there is no hope for you and you've gone to a point of no return, as it says in Matthew 12. Anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Why? Why is it so important? It's the Holy because Holy Spirit is is the gent the most gentle. He is with you. Holy Spirit walks with you. He knows your thoughts. He is there giving you conviction each and every single day. But the moment you reject the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting God and you're rejecting Christ. You're rejecting Christ as a whole. And when you've got to that point where we sin, there is no conviction, there is no shame of what we're doing, then you will reap what you sow, which is death, spiritual death spiritual suicide but may everything come from a place where you have already earned it you have you already have a new life and therefore i become and i do i do the good things that god has called me to do and the fruit that I produce now is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen and amen. And that's not easy, but it is easy. It is if you're humble. But if you're full of pride and we allow our emotions to take control, it's not easy. But you have to submit. You have to surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life today? 
What has the Holy Spirit been trying to teach you in your life? The life that He wants you to live. You have to submit to it. Amen and amen. amen. Lastly, our point three. If your life is not fully dedicated to Christ, you have no life. There is no life. And the key word here is fully dedicated. Dedication, devoted. And this is a very hard point for me to say. And this is a very difficult point for me to point out to you about how unless you are fully devoted to Christ and in His work, all your deeds are like that of filthy rags. It is. If you're not fully devoted to Christ, all your work, all your good deeds is for nothing. It's like you're just wiping the table again with a rag that's been left outside, moldy, and you're just making it dirtier. And it's just dripping, and even on the path that you walk, you're just making a mess. All your good deeds are as good as dead. It is all in vain. It is a waste if your life is not fully dedicated to Christ. But, however, let's flip the coin. But if your life is in Christ, you're blessed. Hallelujah. Because that means now all my trials have purpose. All my momentary testings have purpose. All my long enduring trials and sufferings and testings, the difficulties, the long injuries, the long detour, the, the heartaches, the body aches, the struggle, the persecutions, all of it, it is not a waste. It is not. There is a meaning behind all of it. It has meaning. It has purpose. It has purpose because you are fully devoted to God. But if you're not fully devoted to God, you have no life. All your good deeds is for nothing. You could help out the poor. You could give your life to... You can give your life for someone. It's honorable and looks good. But it is all for nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians, it talks about. You could do all things, but if there's no love, you could give your life to someone, and you could give everything, all your possession to the poor, but you have nothing unless you have love. That love is talking about your love to Christ, your devotion to Christ. Everything that I do, it needs to be motivated from the devotion and from my dedication, from my relationship with Christ. If not, it is all for nothing. It is a filthy rag. And all you're doing is you think that you are clean. You think that you are doing good works. But all you're doing is you're spreading your junk as you clean the table, as you clean the floor. Everything you do, you're leaving a residue of your sin. But if you are in Christ, if your life is in Christ, hallelujah. Even though, Lord, I feel unworthy and I know I'm dirty, God, and I know all my sins, and I know, I know all my shortcomings. But Lord, I know this is not enough right now. But it will be 
a priceless offering unto the Lord and is not a waste. It has meaning. It has a purpose. And in the end, we can say what Joseph said, Genesis 50, 20. And I want to encourage you to memorize that passage, Genesis 50, 20, where he says, you intended to harm me. He's talking about his brothers who betrayed him. Meaning, in other translation, ESV says, you meant evil against me, right? You meant harm against me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You look at Joseph's life, wow, what a worthless life. What a useless time of being in prison, all the hardships, all the heartaches. What a waste. People will look at him, I'm sure, even the jail, the one who, the guard, the prison guard, he will look at Joseph, oh, what a waste. But in God's eyes, it was not a waste. There was a purpose behind accomplishment that is being done behind the scenes. God was working. God was in that situation. Romans 8, 18 says, Paul says, I consider, what is Paul saying? I consider that my present suffering, our present suffering, your present suffering, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You have the glory of God. You will see the glory of God, and you have already seen the glory of God. And your suffering is worth it because you are in Christ. Romans 8, 28, 10 verses later. Romans 8, 18, I just read it, and 10 verses later, 28. Romans 8, 28, what does Paul say? And we know that in all things, all, 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 I cannot say it again, I cannot emphasize that word enough. All, all, all things, the good, and all things are good. Even bad are good. In God, it's good. All things, God works for the good, not to harm you, but good of those who what? Who love him. That's the key. That's the catch. You need to love him. You need to have a relationship with Him. If you do not have a relationship with Him, this doesn't apply to you. You cannot adopt this into your life. You cannot take this as your truth. It is not your truth to hold. But if you love Him, if you are dedicated to Christ, if you have a relationship with Him, then it is yours to take. Right there, freely given. It is offered unto you. It's right there in front of you. You need to take it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. So Paul, he's able to say, in the last passage here, Romans 8, 31 to 39, the heading says, more than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. 
No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Do you not understand that Jesus has our back? That he has us? That you are in him and he is in you? We have him. Because we have him, we have nothing to fear. Anything could happen to me and it's fine because I have him. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword, what can separate me? Verse 37, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, you are. You are more than conquerors. Through Christ. Who loves you. It says, through him who loves us. Who loved us. Verse 34, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And amen. amen. So the founding point Scripture for this point, if your life is not fully dedicated to Christ, you have no life, is here, Romans 8, 31 to 39. What can separate us? Nothing other than the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, as it says in Luke 12. No, Matthew 12, I'm sorry. Matthew 12 talks about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But if you are in God, if you're in Christ, this is the key. We have life and life to the full. Every persecution, every suffering has a purpose behind it all. Therefore, letter A, live in Christ. Letter B, walk with Christ. Letter C, just like our point, dedicate all to Christ. And I love that word, all, all, all. Amen. And amen. Are you listening to me, men and women of God? Are you listening? Is the Lord speaking to you? Is the Lord teaching you? Actions, anyone. But it's not just about actions. It's about faith. That's why the series of this multiple sermons that we're doing is called Real Faith. Real Faith. Actions, anyone? Yes, Lord. I will live my life for you in action. Amen. And amen. We remember Matthew 25, right? The sheep and the goats. Don't forget that one, the passage. And we learn ultimately to know the heart of God. And we study the word of God. We're able to put everything, all of it together. And from Genesis 
to Malachi, from Matthew to Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, Revelation to Genesis. It all points to who? The author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You guys are very blessed uh, to be able to uh, take hold of this word, this truth today. Uh, you're very blessed, but at the same time, now you're very, um, <laughs> now you're accountable to what you have taught, been taught. And I pray that uh, where it says, so faith without deeds is dead, that does not apply to us. Now, we have to live a life that pleases God with action. Action does not earn our salvation, but because we are saved, I become and I do. And that's something that we all need to know. And ultimately, it's the working of the Holy Spirit. You cannot, you could teach someone, but ultimately, if they have the Holy Spirit, then they will be able to live it out. If not, they will reject it. They will vomit it out. That's the truth of the gospel. You will either love him or you will reject him. There is no middle ground. Anyone who plays lukewarm in the middle, you will ultimately fall away. But hopefully you will repent, humble yourself, and to turn to the Lord in humility, with thanksgiving, and give your life to him. Amen. And amen. All right, with that, I'm going to invite the priest team uh, to please come up. The priest team. <laughs> and let's just sing the last song uh, where it says, He laid down his life, and now I lay down my life. And then let's transition to the humble king let's just worship him and i want to invite you if you need to pray pray if you need to stand you can stand if you want to go on your knees feel free to do so but with all humility and with reverence before god let's just worship him and let's allow the spirit of god to minister into our lives may we use our lips and our actions to bless his name to bring glory to his name. Let's just worship together and pray to him and sing songs of praise. Let's worship.
Yes, Lord, change our hearts, Lord, to have your heart, what you want us to do, Lord, we will do. We will follow the way of the cross, Lord, we desire to do what you want us to do. Can you place our right hand on the left side of our chest, our heart, representing our life? And can we just tell them, Lord, what you want me to do, I will do. Let's make that our prayer. Let's offer up our desires, our dreams, our passions, our shortcomings, our failures. Let's just offer it unto Him. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. He is our King. He is your Lord. He is your Heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you. Cast all your worries. All your anxieties, all your plans, give it to Him, for He desires it. Lord, I give it to You, Lord. Take all of me, everything I have, all that I am, everything that I've experienced, everything that I've gone through and encountered. Take it all, Lord. Take all the glory and all the honor. And as Joseph declared, Genesis 50 verse 20 what you intended for evil what you intended what you intended to harm to bring harm against me the Lord used it for good the saving of many lives there's a purpose to it all in all our suffering all of our trials there's a reason for it all but that only applies to those who are in Christ Lord I need you in you and I love you Lord you are my everything give you my everything I give you my all but you are the humble king the spirit of your will within us Lord we love you Lord we thank you we gave all of ourselves to you Lord speak to us God each and every single day our final breath and we live this life for one purpose and one purpose alone is to please your heart oh God to fear you not fear that we'll be punished but fear of breaking the heart the very heart of our father but we want to honor you in all that we do we want to do things because God it pleases your heart oh God and Lord we turn to you with reverence with humility who are we to complain, to boast of our feats? Oh Lord, we humble ourselves. Everything we have, everything we have done, everything we have accomplished is because, God, you are with us. Because you are Emmanuel. You are the one who is with us and who is for us. Thank you, Lord, for today's message and for getting us ready as we're finishing up Advent. Christmas service that is coming up. I give you all the glory 
and all the honor and all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 All right, let's transition to our final song, The Path of Life in Jesus. And then we'll close the service with the benediction. Let's worship together. Give a hand to the praise team. <laughs> all right, with that, uh, let's end today's service with the benediction. Let us all pray together. Now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good in doing his work and living in his will. And may he continue to work within us in what is pleasing in his sight to do and to become through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all of God's people pray, amen Amen. and amen. amen. God bless you. I love you. I will see you all in the back. God bless you. Thank you.